Hey folks, welcome to the Live From Tomorrow podcast, a musical comedy about tech and innovation. I am Matt Hooper, the creator of the show, and I also play Matt Hooper, the main character on the show. Funny how things work out like that. (laughs) This is our second episode, which also means that I can offer up my first recap for anybody who's just joining our story. Uh, Though if you are tuning in now for the first time, please make sure to head back and listen to episode one. It's the fall of 2018, and Matt has set forth to build his startup, a variety show called, you guessed it, Live From Tomorrow. His first show, performed in an office building, was a success. In fact, after the show, he was approached by an executive from MFB, one of the biggest technology companies in the world, in hopes that he might host a live stream they're set to sponsor at the Blockchaining the Nordics conference in Copenhagen. Matt also let slip that he'd been engaged recently, and that his ex-fiance supported his goals of becoming an innovation song and dance man, but, well, fear not, dear listener, you've come to just the right place to learn what happened and to learn so much more, as we meet up with Matt during the UN Global Goals Week, where the threat of climate change hangs heavily over all proceedings. So please, I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy Live From Tomorrow Episode 2, It's Not the Right Climate, for us. All right, so for this opening, I'm just going to read from the script, cool? It's your show, dude. Thank you, Dan. <clears throat> Welcome, everybody, to episode two of Live from Tomorrow. That's right, we have a second episode. <laughs> and this episode finds me, your host, Matt Hooper, visiting the SAP Leonardo Center here in New York, where the UN Global Goals Week is in full swing. Over the course of this week, I will be speaking with a variety of activists and executives who are working to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goals, a, quote, shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people on the planet by the year 2030. Is that your phone? Uh, Yeah, but can we just keep it rolling? I'll check it later. Climate change is the challenge of a generation. Two decades into the 21st century, it remains blindingly clear to the international scientific community that the rise of greenhouse gases unabated carbon emissions and continued reliance on environmentally unfriendly means of production, like the mining of coal, is destroying the health of the planet. You know what, actually, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna check the phone after all. Oh, boy. Uh, Martha Witherspoon emailed me. Hey, Matt, I told you uh, about the clock. I know, I know. uh, Martha Witherspoon is an executive at MFB, and she might be hiring me to host a live stream in Copenhagen. That would be, it's huge for me. You know, I've... I've left my job to become a host. In fact, the reason I'm doing these interviews this week is to, to practice. I have literally seven minutes before my vacation where I head to Hawaii with my fiance. So everything that you're saying to me right now is pre-palm tree nonsense. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to focus on the email. I'll get this voiceover done. I'm <clears throat> we're good to go. In 2015, representatives from 196 countries gathered to sign the Paris Agreement, an agreement within the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change whose central aims are to keep the global temperature rise this century below 2 degrees Celsius. However, not two years later, in June 2017, President Donald Trump announced that the United States, the world's second largest polluter, would be withdrawing from that agreement. (gasps) Yes! Dude, what? I checked after all. I couldn't help it. I couldn't restrain myself. Who cares? The only lived ones. I I got it, Dan. I got the gig. She said it right here. I'm going to Copenhagen in the spring. (laughs) This is... Wow. Hey, can I buy you a beer? Congratulations. Quick reminder, you've got about four minutes, but Right, right, right. Hawaii, your fiancé, that's that's awesome. I mean, you know, I, I was engaged once. Fairly recently, too. Three minutes, 50 seconds. Fine, fine. <clears throat> so in October 2018, another group supported by the UN, a body of scientists called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, 
issued the first global climate report since the signing of the Paris Agreement and the U.S. withdrawal. Their findings were stark and have made clear the stakes. If greenhouse gas emissions continue at their current rate, by 2040, we will see increased drought, famine, a surge in poverty, and flooded coastlines all over the world. Oh man, this is awesome. Matt, you sound like maybe we should do another take. I'm a host, Dan. I'm being paid to spread the innovation gospel. It's really happening for me. Yeah, but you sound like you're excited by like the destruction of the planet, huh? so. What are you talking about? Come on, let's finish up, huh? In order to meet the demand for thoughtful, impactful climate innovation, sustainable for both our planet and an ever more connected global economy, we must act now. Hey Dan, seriously though, did you think that when I walked into this recording booth an hour ago, something so great would happen? Never even considered it, bud. But you know what? It's five, I'm off the clock, so aloha. Wait, 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 we need to get a clean take. Wait, what the? What now? It's, it's my ex's father. Okay, but illegally I'm not allowed to close up before you've left the studio, so if you could just answer that. Hello? Oh, damn. Matt, it's Walter Skalski of the Monongahela Valley Skalskis. How does this glorious day find you, son? I, uh, yeah, hey Walter, your, your contact came up Kyle, on my... Oh, that's right, 21st century. Ain't nobody got a landline anymore. Oh, we just need to get with the times, Walter. Hi, man. Uh, Muriel? Is that you? Oh, it's Muriel Skalski of the Monongahela Valley Skalski. Matt, we're coming to New York, son. Sally didn't tell you we land tonight. You're... Now I know it's short notice, but, well, that's the West Virginia way. We're decisive folk. Make forceful decisions with great thrust. We're big, girthy, and strong like the shovels our forefathers used to dig coal. Hard, thick, and curved, much like the Allegheny Mountains that dot our skyline. We're overshares, too. Oh, tell him about the business, Walter. Oh, 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 that's right, the business. Well, Muriel mentioned getting with the times. What's more of the times and cryptocurrency, Matt? I... No! And as the sharpest guy I know and my soon-to-be son-in-law, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. Walter Skalski, owner of the second largest coal mining company between Wetzel and Doddridge, is going digital. Uh, wow. Well, that's great, Walter. I mean, the effects of coal mining on the health of the planet... It's a new kind of mining I'm after, son. Crypto mining. Oh. Bitcoin, to be precise. Now, the amount of computing power it takes to mine Bitcoin, Matt, it is massive. That's not a good thing, Walter. I'm a proof-of-work miner now. Well, me and an army of machines, and I know you know this stuff. Walter, the amount of computing power it takes to mine Bitcoin could, by 2020, consume as much energy as the entire nation of Denmark. What do you say, son? Let's be crypto cowboys together. I'll, I'll see you in New York, folks. Yeah, you will, son. <laughs> see you, mate. Uh, this guy's just going from one way to harm the planet to another. You know, Dan, there are ways of working in the crypto space without consuming so much energy. What? Sorry, I've, I've tuned you out. You took a phone call when I told you I was done. Um, you're cruel. Did Sally really not tell them we broke up? I've got to teach him about proof of stake. Walter mentioned proof of work, and well, that's the environmentally unfriendly algorithm for acquiring cryptocurrency. But proof of stake, on the other hand, See, on a public blockchain network, which is based on decentralization, all transactions occur without the oversight of a third party. There's no Visa or MasterCard in the process of making the payment, for example, so proof is obviously a big idea. Otherwise, how do you know how to trust these transactions? And these transactions, well, they're important. Each block on a blockchain is comprised of these transactions. Now, just imagine mining these blocks, right? Miners are incentivized to keep at it because the more transactions they can verify, the more blocks they can create, the more coins they will be rewarded for their work. On 
Unfortunately for our planet's health, this all takes a huge amount of computing power. And each time the miners attempt to create a new block of verified transactions, more computing power has to be added to the network. In Bitcoin mining alone, this has led to the expulsion of 69 million metric tons of CO2 in the last year. Proof of stake, on the other hand, doesn't require that kind of computing power. Because in proof of stake, the way you're selected to create a new block or not is deterministic. Folks aren't called miners, they're called forgers. And they are selected based on the amount of wealth or stake they already have in a digital currency. So the coin amount is already set, there is no reward like there is in proof of work, but it's actually a stronger method for ensuring trust. After all, if this is all basically a question of security, who would you trust? The miner who's forced to pollute and burn energy in order to earn more? Or the forger whose skin is deep in the game because they already own some of the coin? <laughs> yup, I'm team proof of stake algorithm, Dan. If only because it uses far less computing power, which is frankly a whole lot better for the planet. You see, there has been what's called a forking, my friend, where some of us crypto enthusiasts have gone one way, and some of us the other. Matt, Matt you gotta stop. I, I can't miss my flight, dude. I'm running out of time here. You're right. The planet is in crisis, Dan. We're all running out of time. Hey, Sally, it's, uh, well, it's Matt. I'm on my way to this series of interviews. That's a thing I'm doing now. I'm, I'm in Hudson Yards. Do, do you remember when we came up here? When was it, summer 2016? When this was all still under construction? I, well, I, I figured you'd get a kick out of me being back here. You always did encourage my more imaginative tendencies, like launching into musical numbers and flashbacks. Are we even allowed to be up here? I don't know. You're the attorney. What laws are we breaking? I'm a junior legal counsel at a soft drink company. I don't know the first thing about B&E. Well, you know that those two letters must mean something, so that's more than me. Matt, all you told me was to bring a bottle of wine and a picnic blanket. And you did, and our evening is the better for it. But here, this is the view I was talking about. <gasps> Look at that. New Jersey. Oh, come on. No, you're right. It's beautiful, honey, the river all lit up like that. And if we lie back here, uh, we can catch the main event. An event, dare I say, even cooler than a view of New Jersey. Okay, so we're looking at the sky? It's a game I used to play when I was a kid. You can make up the stars. What do you mean? Well, you can't see stars in the city, can you? Too much light pollution, too much pollution pollution. Right, which is a problem that, if it hasn't been solved by the time I start my first term in the White House, will be solved like one week into you and me living at 1600 Woohoo, that's right, baby. Boom, second female president of the United States of America, first native West Virginia president in the United States. Boom, okay, uh, so because you're not president yet, and because we've poisoned our Earth nearly beyond repair, and modernity is blocking out hope of seeing any natural beauty at all, on, then we have to use our imaginations. Now, what do you see up there? Can I open the wine now? Come on. I see Orion's belt, those three stars that go diagonally. Is that because that's the only constellation you know? Uh, maybe. <laughs> you know, I really feel like a security guard is gonna come up here. Um, and... it's your turn, Sally. <sighs> okay. I don't know, I see the Big Dipper. Very nice. Oh, wait, I see it too, there. Yeah, shining all bright and dippery. And you see that one right there? Yes, 
Very lovely, and clearly in the shape of my Uncle Henry passing a kidney stone. Oh, Now, dude. you can't see that? Those stars definitely look like a middle-aged man's face screwed up in great pain, and he's got Henry's unibrow. There, there, and there. Uh, you know, I, I used to think that part of what was so tragic about our murdering the planet was that we would lose whole species, and forests would burn, and cities would sink. But now I kind of get the upside, because the degradation of nature also means no sight of Uncle Henry's kidney stone in the sky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's you. Me? Yeah. A star of innovation theater. I cut it out. I'm being serious. You got me up here playing this weird imagination game, and you're judging my imagination? That's you, and you're talking about innovation and business and tech, your favorite subject. Sally. Don't be embarrassed. Those other stars, they're the audience. They're watching you host a show. You can't see that? I work at a bank. I don't host a show. Yeah, but the stars know that's gonna change real soon. Even if you can't see them. So, <clears throat> yeah, just, uh, just checking in, I guess. Uh, also, your parents called me yesterday, said they're in town today, but did you ever tell them we called off our engagement? Boo! Ah! <laughs> Didn't mean to scare you there, son. Hey, Walter. Uh, who am I kidding? I absolutely meant to scare you. And it worked! We saw you post something about coming to an event over here on Facebook. Figured we'd come check it and out. And surprise you! Mm. Well, I, I am surprised, uh, but you... Oh, Muriel Skalski with the Monongahela Valley Skalskis. No, I, I know your name, Muriel. I was just thinking... If you saw this on Facebook, did you also see my relationship stuff? The event looked pretty nifty, Matt. Like pajamas on a cat. That's a local expression down where we are, between Wetzel and Doddridge, and also west of Harrison and north of Gilmer. Yeah, it should be fun. I, the first thing I'm doing today is interviewing Nikolai Koster-Waldau, the actor and activist. He's refereeing a soccer game here at an event in celebration of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Huh. Goals set by the UN. Now, that's all well and good, son, but you and I are businessmen, so we know that all that policy talk ain't gonna change the world by itself. We need technological innovation. That's right. I actually couldn't agree more. Like mining for Bitcoin. Takes a lot of energy to do that work, but hell, I got more energy than most for a guy my age. <laughs> uh, the proof of work algorithm is the most exciting thing I've come across in years, Matt, and it's turned this old Luddite into a 21st century entrepreneur. I'm, I'm happy for you, Walter, but don't you- Oh, and we don't have those activists harassing us anymore, coming down to protest like they did at the mines. Yes, activists! But, uh, Mira, the, Walter, this, this new venture is also not exactly good for the environment. I reckon, I swear, I do declare I haven't felt this fulfilled in years. Gonna crypto mine all the ore I can, cause no one cuts corn like a country man. <laughs> Nobody, Matt. <laughs> Don't you want to feel the rush of a hunt for treasure? I got this custom crypto cowboy belt made to measure. Now wait, I must share it. Don't you know proof of work is bad news bears? The new step taken, the world by storm, is the proof of stake algorithm. Walter, can I, can I just ask? Uh, don't you want to turn over a green new leaf? <laughs> The time is right to practice what we preach. Preach, boy! 
You sound like one of those climate change fanaticos With your quinoa kale and picket sign You better keep your mitts off what is mine What's mine? But what's that stick? What's mine? But what's that stick? Come now, sonny, don't resist Stick with me and you'll be rich Please now don't make me shout Proof of stake is all about a bigger stake You can't carve out You'll have more skin in the game with the fixed amount Of coin, that is And Walter All the while you'll be using less resources Save the planet and have more money for Racing horses Not sure I'm quite on board For a kind of coin I cannot hoard Where's the fun in nickels and dimes With big bad Bitcoin the rewards are mine Oh mine! But what's at stake? Mine, oh mine But what's at stake? Take it from the king of coal Stick by me, you'll be on the roll What's mine? But what's at stake? What's mine? What's at stake? Come now, sonny, don't resist Stick with me and you'll be rich Uh, well, agree to disagree, Walter. <laughs> but uh, I need to get upstairs. That's right. The UN soccer game. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, I'm happy to talk to you further about this. Well, you were the first person to ever mention Bitcoin to us. Back when you and Sally visited last year, remember? Oh, you explained that crypto was the hottest thing in corporate innovation. I quit the bank, folks. <gasps> I'm at this event to conduct interviews for a podcast I record. A, a podcast? For the ears? It's a podcast and a, and a live show, too, called Live From Tomorrow. It's a like a variety show about innovation. We have songs, skits, guests. I mean, I'm not a great interviewer yet, but, but I'm trying. So you're in sh show business now? <gasps> Does Sally know? Look, they're, they're setting up for the interviews. I... I need to get going, folks. I'm sorry. Welcome back to Live from Tomorrow. I'm still Matt Hooper until they fire me and replace me with someone more handsome. Uh, and I'm here talking to Nicola Coster-Waldau during the extraordinary uh, UN SDG Week here at the SAP Leonardo Center. What are some of your favorite innovations being deployed, uh, both in the public and private sector, to address climate action? And I and I suppose well, I think I think that like if you say climate action. Of course, the thing about the global goals is that it's a it's a global crisis, and right. the challenges are global. But of course, to solve it globally, you have to act locally. And I think that uh, one of the things that I've just the last uh, this, this last year has been the commitment from uh, major cities all around the world to reduce emissions. I've been working with the UNDP for, for a little over two years, and I've, I've seen a lot of the projects. I've met a lot of uh, uh, people around the world doing things locally, and it's just, uh, that gives you hope. Because sometimes when you read the, read the headlines, you would think that we are, we're standing on the, on, uh, the we've already, we're already doing the drop into the abyss. And, right. and I think that there's no question that uh, the challenges we face are huge, but I also believe in, I do believe in innovation. I believe in, in, in you know, in the power of us as, as, a, as a species. I mean, uh, yes, we are polluting like crazy. We're spending, we're not sustainable the way we live. At the same time, what we've, 
you know, what we've created is, is pretty amazing. I mean, the, the, the innovation that human beings have come up with over the last hundred years is, is mind-boggling. I believe it's, it's very important that we keep uh, pushing this and, and push our elected officials. You mentioned elected officials. Here we're talking about the private sector. We're talking about people who are very aware of the impact the climate crisis is having on community after community. But not every elected official believes this. In an interview I saw you give last year, you mentioned that you know there are other goals we're trying to achieve, like ending hunger, education for all, that are not so controversial. Why is the climate crisis, when we're watching islands uh, I, I sink think, in the Chesapeake Bay, et cetera, becoming a controversial, or has stayed a controversial topic? I think it's... You know, I think it's, it's not controversial, if you look at the science. Right. But there are a lot of very, very uh, big financial interests at stake. There are a lot of people who have an interest in keeping, uh, you know, us using, you know, you know, burning fossil fuels because that's how they make a living. That's one thing. The other thing is that as long as we, the only way to make the chain successful, I think, is if the alternative is as cost efficient as to what we have now. It's, it's very, you know, it's easy for us to go to a third world developing country and say you, you cannot burn fossil fuels. Right. You have to use solar power, wind power, and, and when, when the, the reality is that it's cheaper. And of course you can't talk, ask someone who doesn't even have a refrigerator that now, by the way, you're going to have to add another $10 on your bill. I mean, it's not going to happen. So we, again, I think it goes back to innovation. We have to, we have to support um, you know, that change. Now you said why, I mean, I think it's very similar. I think it's, it's you know, different interests. And, and I think the lobby uh, from certain sectors is, has just been very powerful. And then that's why. I think it was um, Mark Twain who said something, it's very difficult to make people believe a lie, but it's almost impossible to make them admit they were wrong. And right. I think once you've stepped out and said, I don't believe in climate change, it's right. like... Bullshit. You're pretty far down the path. Then you've <laughs> kind of, you expose yourself to, you know, and, and sometimes you hear these politicians, you go, come on, I mean, you, you find, you, then you, yeah, you can find one scientist who's under, in a cave somewhere who said, no, no, it's not that. I mean, they, the politicians wouldn't keep saying this if, if there wasn't votes to be gained. Right. And that's the, the truth. Right. And it so, wasn't the power of a more nostalgic idea around you know, the, the thing is, it's, it's very simple. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, if, if they came out and said, well, I don't believe in climate change, and they, they could instantly see a drop in, in, in the, the voters, well, they wouldn't do it. Right. So we have, I mean, it's still, we live in a democracy, and, and we have the officials that we elect. So you're from Denmark, and where public-private partnerships have always been extremely successful, particularly since the oil crisis, have been in the Nordic states. Yeah. I think Copenhagen especially will be carbon neutral by 2025, I think is the new pledge, yeah? Yeah, that's the pledge, yeah. So does that, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this, how has that influenced your worldview about the possibilities of getting those who have moneyed interests in, in preventing action to work with those governments that might be a Well, it's, it, I think that... To be, to be fair, my mother is a big influence. I mean, she has always been about, she hates greed, and she hates overconsumption. But also that thing you said about the difference between corporations and people. I think we have to move away from this whole thing about, like when I was young and, you know, when you're, when you're young and naive and everything's black and white, you look at corporations as like a big enemy. The fact is, we, I think we have to move away from that because corporations are made out of people and everybody wants to do something good in life. 
And I think that what we're seeing is why so many companies go out and say, listen, we're going to go be carbon neutral. We're going to do this. Well, it's because their employees want that. Right. You want to be associated with a company that does that. You don't want to be associated. We don't want to work in a place that just, you know, pollutes the hell out of the world, that makes the world worse. Right. You want to be part of the solution. I think uh, that's what, why we're seeing so many major corporations be, get actively involved in, in solving these issues. Right, because from the worker on up to the C-suite, there's the initiative of I'm actually contributing to of a course. healthier planet. And it's also nice to go to work when you go, well, we actually, we're actually not, not killing all, the planet. all bad. So in your main line of work as a, as a performer and as a storyteller, I feel like storytelling is among the most powerful things. It's what we do, it's what I changed my entire career to do. Well, I, I as a storyteller, yeah. Where can you uh, make this kind of change, make this kind of impact to say, look, these are the realities that we're facing in here, how governments around the world and companies around the world could be part of the solution, not the problem. I was just in Greenland and, and, and of course the ice sheet in Greenland is melting at, a, right. at an alarming rate. It's not going to melt tomorrow. We have to also be honest, it's, it's going to take 100, 100 years or 200 years. But then, but if we get that far, it's gonna, it will be a complete catastrophe. But I, I just think it's important that we don't, you know, go out and scream, the world is ending next year if you don't do this. Because then, of course, next year we're gonna go, it didn't end. Right, the sky didn't fall. The sky didn't yeah. fall. And I think, you know, we have, it's, it's like, you know, you, you, you have a lot of snow one winter and people go, oh, there's no climate change, it's not getting warmer. And, and then once you go down that, it's so easy. Right. To, to shut down. But I mean, I wish I had a simple answer to that because then problem solved. Um, the thing about this not believing in science, that's your, I mean, if you don't believe in facts and figures, then it's, I think it's very difficult to to argue, I mean, that's of course your choice if you don't want to believe in that. I think yeah. we're out of time is what that means, oh. yes, thank you so much. If we can just get a little, this is your name and this is live from tomorrow, we'll always be able yes. to answer that. Yes, this is, I'm, I'm Nikolai Costa-Waldo and this is live from tomorrow. Thanks so much, man, absolute pleasure. pleasure. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hey, Muriel, uh, thanks for sticking around. Did you enjoy the interview? Oh, it was interview, uh, is that Gentleman is an actor? Yeah, yeah, he's an actor and an activist. What he was saying there at the end, that part, you know, if you don't want to believe in facts, like, has it really gotten that bad? <laughs> please, please believe in facts, people in power all over the world, you know? <laughs> we can't lose the planet, Muriel. Yes, well, there's that side, and then there's, you know... What? There's that side, and then there's what? What other side beyond facts? I, well, why don't we go talk to Walter? He went up to the roof. He was getting a little uh, flustered while he was watching the interview. Sure, sure, let's, let's head up there. Walter? Well, well. Thanks for bringing the traitor up here with you, honey. Excuse me? You heard me, Tom Arnold. Benedict Walter. Benedict Walter. Benedict Arnold, huh? Benedict Arnold! Walter, I, I don't Muriel, understand. what was the uh, vibe you got during Matt's interview down there? I'd say Matt was taking a political stance. I would too. A political stance. Walter, I, I told you I'm making a show about innovation. And innovation in climate science is... I thought we were going to be crypto cowboys together. I don't think it's a thing. Hey, Matt. S Sally? 
What are you doing here? Well, my parents told me that they reached out to you. Told me you'd be here at 10 Hudson Yards. Uh, remember when we snuck up on this roof? Of course, I, I flashbacked about it, but that's not the... Why haven't you told them yet? That we broke- Hey, Mom and Dad! A celebrity sighting in New York City. Wow, Dick Wolf. What? <gasps> Where? His name is my favorite Aunt Credit! Down there. Uh, mm, I'm sorry, it's just a sculpture on the High Line that's a literal representation of those words. Oh, still cool, yeah, though. Yikes. Um, so I can see it's getting tense up here. Why don't we all take a breather? Maybe, Matt, you and I can talk. No. Sally, I don't feel comfortable with this. It's wrong. We should... We should just tell your parents... Sally, you're a lawyer. Can't you get him to cease and desist his dumbassery? Oh, Matt, please. Listen, Walter, you're so close to doing the right thing. You're moving away from coal production. Now it comes right out, Mr. Anti-Coal. Proof of work. Proof of stake. Proof of work. It's just... Proof yes, let's stake. get into digital currency Proof together, but I'm telling you, there is a more energy-efficient way to do it. There's been a fork in... <gasps> Matt, please, not in front of my wife and daughter. And some cryptocurrencies, like Ethereum, have opted to use the proof-of-stake algorithm. It's better for the Earth. My mind is made up. I'm a determined son of a gun, just like my father, AR-15 Skolsky. I'm a miner, through and through. But... Come on, Muriel. Let's go. And you can stop singing and snapping. Nobody sings and snaps about conflict between two opposing sides here on the west side of Manhattan. Oh, that's right. Ugh, parents, am I right? Yeah, they can be tough, uh, especially when you're lying to them. I'm not lying to them. I'm just omitting information. They're not ready to hear bad news. The world is changing on them so fast, Matt. They're the Monongahela Valley Skalskis. They came to New York expecting their daughter to be engaged, not single. They were hoping to get a glimpse of television icon Dick Wolf, not a phallic lupine statue. I mean, my mother's favorite TV show is Chicago Pizza, starring Tom Skerritt as Officer Deep Dish. And my father's favorite color is dirt. They're just too set in their ways. It's hard to adapt. We should at least tell them I won't be joining your family, though. Ugh, well, it's not the right climate to talk about this. How can you not see? This is urgent. No, with Dad's new career and Mom's heart can dish. Spare me excuses. We must get a grip. No, please understand that I'm not trying to lie to them. Throw me a bone, Matt. And just for this once, could you just pretend that I'm still with you? Help me bend the truth for just a moment. Fine. Thank you. It's not the right climate talk about this. All right, I give up. You've done it, you win. No, not about us, about the changing climate. Oh, for heaven's sake, you're not serious. I am. My parents' views on climate change are just not the same. But that's their right. Do not need to buy into your claims. Claims? These are facts. I hate to break it to you, and this is the only planet that we have. Come on, Sally, don't you see? Don't you see? You say it's not the right climate to talk about this. But will it ever be, as long as I live? Time's running out, and nothing's hopeless. The only salvation is through ethical business. <laughs> ethical business. Talk about an axiomoron. Have you had? 
you think my dad really cares about that old Chinese bluff? But even Dick Wolf could see that your dad's plan is especially heinous. Uh, come on, Sally. We, we've been through a lot. We should know by now, all right? Or, I don't know. I don't know if I can say it to you, but I know I can sing it to you. That was a nice SVU pun back there. Thank you. Sally. Please now, nothing's beyond reproach. Not even the Monongahela Valley Skalskis. By the deadline of 2030, I know we can turn around our society. Ugh, if you get off your high horse for once, you'll see that nothing can be done. Some people change and some people just don't. It's no wonder we called off our engagement. It's just not the right climate. Not the right climate. Not the right climate. It's not the right climate. Not the right climate. It's not the right climate. Not the right climate. Sally, where, I mean, they, look, they sounded great, but Sally, where did they come from? They've been here this whole time. This entire time they were standing there. You not see them? And the outfits, they match. I've got to go. I'm, I'm out of here. I have another interview. Go! Fine. I've got nothing left to sing with you. Yeah, yeah. You know who might want to sing? My next guest, Kelsey Gosserin, the program director of developer advocacy North America at IBM. Oh, I bet she would. Go invite Kelsey Gosserin to Matt's Life the Musical. It's so riveting. I bet she'd love to be invited. It's fun here in my musical. Yeah, and the transitions are so seamless between the songs and the interviews. All right, everybody. I am uh, still Matt Hooper until they find someone better to, to host this show. And I am sitting here with Kelsey Gosserin, the Program Director, Developer Advocacy of North America at IBM. Kelsey, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thanks, Matt. Uh, what does, that, that's a very cool job title. What does that mean practically? You know, what, what do you get to do all day long at IBM? Uh, I service developers. I have an amazing team of engineers, and we create content that enables enterprise developers. So we do this by meetups, workshops, we write blogs, we speak at conferences, we do a lot of traveling, and uh, we're pretty much tech agnostic. Yeah, so content, developers, enablement. Boom, those are the three points right there. I'll get that tattooed later. <laughs> a fair amount of the technology you advocate for and that you aim to attract developers to is blockchain. In fact, your Twitter bio states that with IBM, you are democratizing and humanizing blockchain technology through community and storytelling. Where have you found success with this practically among developers? Yes. Well, in the early days, blockchain seems like voodoo almost and very unaccessible in terms of like, how do I build on the blockchain? How do I build a blockchain? What is a blockchain? I, I like using um, words that we, we all know and um, understand. Um, blockchain in and of itself is a really great uh, tool for storing data. We all know what a ledger is. And right. so just having something that's transparent, um, that once we put this information in there, we can't change it so it's immutable. So I use words like that to describe how you would store data. So it's a really great store of data. It's really great with transactions of sure. value. What's your own sort of origin story in the space? Because uh, maybe we could take a step back for a second. What is the difference for a novice between 
blockchain and Bitcoin. Yeah, um, Bitcoin is, again, one of the first use cases. It, it is its own blockchain. It is the first recorded blockchain. And uh, its purpose was solely to transact and do this without the oversight of an intermediary, like, say, a bank. Um, and you can do this anom anonymously. And, um, and that spawned about 1,700, 2,000 more cryptocurrencies um, with their own various purposes. My entrance into this space was as an investor, and I realized that um, the difference between me and other people was not necessarily that I'm smarter or, um, or that I have more resources, but I just had access to this information. Hmm. And I really made it about my mission. It is, my entire purpose was uh, kind of demystifying this space and um, providing that access to others. One of the themes that we explore regularly on this show, se semi-regularly I should clarify, is the overlap between nimble innovative startups and large resourced corporates. Uh, in an ideal world, what does it look like when startups and large companies partner together? It is such an interesting uh, paradigm, startups and corporates. Startups look at corporates as an open wallet and corporates look at startups as uh, their last ditch effort to find innovation. Um, we do work with a lot of startups. Um, we do have teams that are a little bit more nimble and that can move more quickly. I, I like to say advocacy is such a team. Yeah, there's a lot to digest there because it's the most important kind of collaboration we tend to cover here on the show. Mm -hmm. And it's the most important kind of collaboration to actually build a really thriving ecosystem, right? How do you get Davids and Goliaths, as it were, to work Absolutely. together? Absolutely, yeah. Um, in my, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I don't, I'm a little frazzled. I'm having kind of a, a, tough, a tough day here. Uh, I'm having a situation where my Goliath, as it were, is the history of coal mining and mm. the, the difficulty I'm having with my... He, he was going to be my father-in-law. I'm no longer engaged, but there was a lot of there were a lot of complications. Sorry. Thank you. You know, it's it's obviously something I'm still sort of nursing and I'm singing about it a lot. The the challenge uh, that I have is how to convince someone who maybe doesn't necessarily believe in things like I don't know, like global warming. Got it. Got it. And you know, if I'm understanding this correctly, you had a pretty intimate relationship with someone that he's a father of. Yeah, I, he's the father of the daughter. Uh, that I used to uh, be in, in, oh, with intimate in, in love with an intimacy. With. And I'm assuming his lack of belief in climate change is why you're no longer engaged. We were trying to stay uh, amicable after all the, you know, after all the, we're being amicable, obviously. It's important to stay amicable in a relationship. Uh, so I don't know, but it's been hard. It's mm. been hard. You know, Reasoning with someone through facts, maybe not the most effective way of uh, winning them over, um, but maybe appealing to um, their sensitive side, emotional side, not inciting anger, no. but uh, really painting the picture of what the wider implications would look like if you continue down this path of climate denying. Uh, is it true, you mentioned cryptocurrency obviously a lot in this conversation, uh, is it true that, that mining for crypto, Bitcoin specifically, if you're a proof of work miner say, is that really as bad for the environment as I fear? Is that really using up as much energy as I, as I worry about? It does use a lot of energy, but um, as much as you fear, probably not. Uh, when you think of how cars are made and the amount of energy and coal uh, to produce a vehicle, 
and you compare that to all of the crypto, not just Bitcoin, all of the crypto, crypto that's been mined in its entirety, I think it's negligible. Okay. I'll, I think maybe I'll try to make peace with Walter. At some <laughs> oh, Walter. Um, Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for talking about all things blockchain and crypto here at the UN Global Goals Week. Uh, is much appreciated, <laughs> and, uh, and I really appreciate your time. Thanks. You're still here. Yep. Well, I, I was hoping you would be. I, I'm, I'm happy to see you, and I'm sorry for whatever the hell we were arguing about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was. Um, I'm sorry, too. Hey, how'd the interview go? Well, I think I, I'm really enjoying this work, Sally. And, and with each interview, I just get more practice actually being a podcast host. I've been hired by MFB to host a live stream in Copenhagen next quarter. Wow! <laughs> what does that mean? Uh. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, it means that a lot is changing. Just a few weeks ago, my job was to find fintech startups at a bank, and now... Oh, is this the Blockchaining the Nordics conference? Yeah. How'd you... I've been doing my diligence. It seemed like maybe something I'd want to check out, or... Um, anyway, maybe I'll see you in Denmark. Hey, did you know that by 2020, it's possible that the amount of energy consumed to mine Bitcoin will be equal to the amount of energy consumed by all of Denmark? Yeah, I, I even think I told your father that on the phone. Oh, you know what? I, I should probably check in with him and my mom. They went back to their hotel and I want to hang out with them some more while they're in town. You want to hang with your parents? Sally, you're acting different. Well, you haven't seen me in a while. Maybe this is me now. What are you going to do in your first term as president, Sally? Wait. Listen to this voicemail my dad just left me. You were going to stand up to polluters, weren't you? One week into you and me living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Here, listen. Second female president of the United States. First native West Virginian president of the United States, remember? Matt, please. Sally, it's your dad, Walter Skolsky of the Monongahela Valley Skolskys. Looks like we need to hire us a chief product officer, or whatever that means. I want to call my old pal Herb Fitzgibbon. Man's as trusty as an oak. A thick, uncut oak. He and I used to drive a big rig together in the early 80s between fall and spring in Blacksville, but never as far north as New Cumberland or west as Ravenswood. <laughs> I love West Virginia geography. Oh, he is a character. Wait, chief product officer, you're not actually going to help your dad in his business, are you? That's why you were looking up the conference. You're, you're going to be a crypto cowboy. Look, you know I've had one foot out the door at work for a while now. Or... If you didn't, hey, it's me, Sally, and I've had one foot out the door at work for a while now, and this crypto space sure does seem interesting. But of all the startups to join, you want to go and be, what, general counsel for Walter Skolsky's digital pollution factory? I wanted to take a professional risk, and this will make me enough money to figure out what to do for the time being. Just, hey, I'm not an idealist. You were. It was different then. How? The planet was still in trouble, and every day we don't take action, it gets worse. Yeah, all the more reason to make as much as I can before it's lights out on civilization. I'm not that cynical, but Matt, I can't live like you do. I need to be able to be pragmatic, and I need you not to judge me for it. Yeah? Is that why we didn't work out? Well... Is that why you haven't told the Monongahela Valley Skalskis we didn't work out? I don't agree with their views on most things, but they're my parents. But now you're involved in the business. No! That's the thing! There isn't a but now. Okay? This isn't about us. It's just... what it is. Sally, 
You might be from their world, but you don't live in it. You believe in science. You believe in man-made... I'm a proof-of-work miner's daughter, Matt. You're a proof-of-stake forger. We're just on different sides of the fork. I know that you say that it's not the right time. But when is the hour ever more than just fine? It's about living among, not living above. You've got to understand who you are and where you come from. If I could just learn to survive in your among it all world, a place where we abide, not yearning yen. I know the climate can't cause us to all uproot our lives, but if not here and now, then where and when? It's not the right climate to talk about us It's a journey much too far afield Even if our chariot out was a fossil fuel-free bus There's still a lot of runoff to conceal When the time comes to move on and when the levees break I'll find a place to make my life anew But until then, there's people living lives here, rich and full so for now, let's settle on that it's the right climate for me. Just not for you. Oh, Sally, why can't you just move on from this place? The future's gleaming bright beyond the West Virginia hills. See, that's what you think, Matt, but it's a lot more complicated than that. You don't understand the full picture, okay? All this time, my Monongahela roots have kept me soaring high above, mining more than just the coal within. It was in these footholds that I found an anthracidian resolve to fly like Homer Hickam beyond the winds. Still, despite the dreams and visions I've been privy to of your distilled techie future not yet found, the coal miner's daughter in me keeps me pining for a way to mine for crypto underground. So I say, and I listen to what the Monaga healers it's say. It's not the right time. I watch time. the helmets descend beneath the fall. You go your way, I'll go mine. Holding on to something strong and rooted. But if we too, swung on the same time, trying to make our lives mean something Son of more. man and woman in time I'll try be to go my own way, like you're trying to do too. But a bit of patience is a perfect safety net. There's some folks who need. One thing I know is that it's not the right climate for me. For us, to bet on our energy. I can't trust. In a future where you and me. It's more than a must. Pay no heed. I want you to see that. For now, it's not the right climate for Sally, you've made me into the host striving for the most. I value your patience. Just don't let your dreams be toast. Well, I have one more interview to do today. Good luck. Yeah, it's with an executive from Carlsberg. They've got this 
new beer packaging, and it's, it's really innovative. They're using glue instead of plastic now in their six packs. So at a minimum, that's going to, to save a lot of seagulls whose, whose necks would otherwise get caught in uh, plastic. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll see you around. Yeah, see you. You know, uh, Sally, through it all, I'll always love seagulls. Yeah, I'll always love seagulls too. So my humble role is to look out, out for our internal and external communications, but also our relations with society, okay. with governments, and with uh, the planet, if you will. So including our sustainability efforts. Um, and Carlsberg's role in the world is, well, we, we, for lack of a better tagline, say we're brewing for a better today and tomorrow. So we're here uh, for every day brewing better beers, yes. giving consumers fantastic experiences with our 140 brands all over the world. So that's the today part. The tomorrow part is all about leaving the planet in a better place uh, and giving back to society. Where does this culture come from? Is this an internal decision? Is this something you all gathered a few years ago and said, we're very serious about the sustainability idea? Because I think that there are a great many companies that are considering this, but very few that are thinking about and we'll get into this in a moment, but very few that are thinking about your goals around, say, carbon neutrality yeah. at scale the way you guys are. Yeah, and I think the answer to your question is, uh, we did bring in all those management consultants, but what we quickly realized after the second round of consultants came in, and we basically also said goodbye to them, was the solution was not in management consultants. No, you had two rounds to tell you that. <laughs> two rounds, yeah, kind of. well, you, I mean, you might get a better offer the second time, but <laughs> right, right, uh, right. not really. So I think what we ended up with was basically going back, I mean, and it sounds uh, like a bad movie basically, but going back to where we came from. Uh, so when our founder established Carlsberg in 1847, he basically established it with that purpose of always perfecting the art of brewing, yep. and at the same time giving back to the society that gave him so much. Um, so he basically donated his brewery to a foundation, a non-for-profit that still remains our main shareholder today and gives back to society in form of science, arts, uh, cultural projects, A non-for-profit is the primary shareholder of your nearly 200-year-old for-profit business. Yes, exactly. Talk to me about the goals you're trying to achieve and also a little bit about this idea of achieving total carbon neutrality by the year 2030, which I know is a Carlsberg initiative and more to the point, one of your initiatives at Carlsberg. Yeah. So a few years back when uh, we uh, decided to uh, update our corporate strategy, we included as a core part of that strategy, uh, that purpose that we just talked about. So uh, we basically set out, as you normally do in a strategy process, that what you want to achieve, what's your ambition in the, last, in the next seven years, how are you going to do it, so what's your strategic initiatives, but also why are you actually doing this? So why are you here as a business? And as a big part of that why, we introduced an updated sustainability program that we call Together Towards Zero. We call it Together because it's a lot of stuff that we can't do on our own. We need other people to work with us. And it's Towards Zero because the four ambitions we have is basically zero carbon emissions at our breweries, zero water waste at our breweries, zero irresponsible drinking and zero accidents. Can you speak to any of the sustainability strategies that you've picked up in your work at Carlsberg, sort of ways that you are able to, as a citizen, reduce the carbon footprint that you're talking about and try to, like you, 
achieve carbon neutrality or, or close to it by 2030. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, by zero, we mean zero. So we are not looking to go close to. We are going to go to zero. Uh, and um, I think we have worked on that incrementally for many years because in a lot of the places where we operate, there is some form of price on carbon uh, or on uh, electricity or uh, thermal energy uh, for us. So, so there is an incentive, if you will, for companies to pursue lower uh, thermal energy use, for instance, uh, or lower electricity use, but it's very incremental. So what we have set out now with this is a very audacious target to get to zero. That, I think, has completely flipped that thing around inside our business, is that we think much more radical about it uh, today than we did uh, in the past. It's a much more radical approach. Uh, and with that, we are looking beyond what goes on in our breweries as well. So not just the zero target within our breweries. Uh, we're looking at our full value chain also to reduce carbon emissions by 30% outside. And you're outside. talking about the communities in which you brew. Exactly. Great. Yeah. So that means for us, 40% roughly globally of our CO2 footprint, if you uh, talk end to end, 40% is in our packaging. Nothing has a bigger CO2 footprint for us than the packaging. It's not the distribution. It's not the brewing. Um, it's it's really it's in uh, it's in the packaging, uh, and I mean if we did the incremental way, we could take the most efficient brewery and deploy that approach in all of our breweries, but it still wouldn't take us to zero. So to go to zero, we will need to innovate and to bring brand new technologies there. So how do you make the pitch that this is actually working and I'm looking to build out an innovation ecosystem in your case within Carlsberg? Yeah, I think it's it's all about seeing benefits for both parts. So, I mean, if our suppliers or, or, see or a benefit... Or ten parts or however ten, yeah, many, yeah, there could be many more. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And some of the projects, there's quite a few people working on them, but everybody needs to see the benefit to themselves. I mean, none of us are doing this just because we think that we should leave the planet in a better place. We also need to do what we do every day. So in our case, brew great beers. It needs to contribute to what you're doing. So the partners that we find, they need to have solutions that they can use themselves. We have a roadmap now to 2030 where we need to be carbon neutral. But by 2022, we need to rely 100% on renewable electricity. We need to get out of coal completely. So at, we every, were at every brewery? Everywhere. And so, how many do you have globally? So we have about 100 uh, production sites. Mm -hmm. um, and when we entered last year, we had 15 of them running on coal. Uh, we closed nine of those, mm. the coal plants, last year alone. So the... the and and the people were comfortable with this, the, I mean, right, internally. Well, not in I, the beginning. Of course, yeah. there you go. Because I, I, well, the warts and all part of this is important, having to go yeah. to the I mean, you need we're to closing having, nine coal plants, yeah? Yeah, yeah uh, no, that's quite, uh, that's quite a thing. And we can't have uh, downtime in our breweries. So, I mean, we will need to do this when we have a solution to replace it. So whether that is, uh, you know, firing up uh, our electricity through uh, solar on the roofs, we can do that and rely on, on other means in the meantime. You mentioned something about packaging and how packaging was probably for the end user, uh, the way in which innovation could probably most be felt, yeah. particularly as regards the sustainability goals you've set forth. So it's yeah. SDG week, here we are. What am I looking at here? What is this packaging for this six-pack? Right. So this is uh, something we call the snap pack. Okay. So traditionally, when you sell a six-pack in most of our markets, you will have plastic rings on top or plastic wrapping all the way around it sure. to keep the packaging together. Uh, so what we have developed here is a uh, packaging type where all that plastic is gone and the cans are glued together with an innovative uh, glue 
that basically means you don't need all that plastic. So you save somewhere between 50 and 75% uh, of the plastic that's traditionally used sure. uh, with something that honestly also looks better on shelf because nobody wants that plastic out there. And when consumers start opening the plastic, it looks uh, horrible on the shelf. So you have a product here that looks fantastic, right, stands out on the shelf, pleasing. <laughs> absolutely. And basically uh, with this, when we roll this out, we're going to save around 1,200 tons of plastic globally. This is not on the market yet. This is on the market as of last week in wow. the UK and will gradually roll out. So it's going to be in Denmark in January uh, and then gradually will go to the rest of the world. Final fun question. After you've reached carbon neutrality by 2030, what's next for Carlsberg? Carbon positive. Perfect. I mean, um, no, I mean, uh, 2030 is a very audacious target for us. So, uh, so let's see. Heads down for the next 12 years. Well, absolutely. If it's a company full of folks like you, I think you could do it. Anders, thank you so much. All right, that was a long day of interviews. Thanks, guys. You're going to break all this down? You're going to... Okay, you don't need me to help carry any of the equipment or anything? Okay. Uh, thanks again. Great work. I'll, I'll see you. everybody for listening. Uh, I want to thank everybody who worked on this show, which will include the unusual practice of reading my own name aloud in the third person. <laughs> uh, our cast in alphabetical order. Matthew Walters-Bowens, Matt Hooper, Kelly Quinn, Shai Tamari, and Ann Veal. And additionally featuring Abby Easton and Francis Simowitz. Our executive producer, Aaron Kressner. Our guests, Nikolai Koster-Waldau, Kelsey Gosserin, and Anders Baring, who now serves as the VP of Global Public Affairs at Mars, Inc. Score by Ben Easton. Music and lyrics by Mark Levy and Ben Easton. The band is the Academy Blues Project, and their members are Mark Levy, Ben Easton, Trevor Brown, and Jim Bloom. Sound designed and mixed by Barbaros Kynock, and this show was written and edited by Matt Hooper.